Hi, it's Susie here. Before we begin, I just want to warn you that this episode contains discussions about mental health. If you need any mental health support or just someone to talk to, there's links to information, help and advice in the show notes. My bins, they overflow Been rejected by the bin man My hoarding's out of control Don't want to bring back any one-night stands You're scared to talk about it Don't want to make a scene Can't get that loft extension So I live in a landfill of memories Hiya! I'm Susanna Romato, but you can call me Susie. And this is the Landfill of Memories podcast. My stage show, Landfill of Memories, came about because I had a breakdown. And through that breakdown, I discovered that I was a hoarder. And in this podcast, we look back at all the things that we keep for the memories. We've all heard that one before, right? Keep it for the memes, put it on the Instagram. From sentimental objects to the most silly things, we relive each item story and hear about the part they've played in our lives. And as an owner of over 500 train tickets, a ridiculous amount of receipts and a phenomenal amount of photos, I finally come to recognise the power of letting things go. So in this podcast, I ask my guests to bring in three things that remind them of significant moments in their lives. An item that reminds them of a childhood memory, an item that reminds them of a tough time, and an item that reminds them of such an amazing memory, they'll treasure it forever. And then, at the end of the conversation, we'll find out whether they'll keep the memory or decide to shred it into pieces. Dr Cheddar Gorgeous is a Manchester multi-dimensional and cultural icon. Cheddar is a pioneer, a performer, an artist, and brought the transformational power of drag to communities across the UK when they hosted the Channel 4 show, Drag, SOS. More recently, Cheddar was the runner-up on season four of RuPaul's Drag Race, and their calming and caring nature changed season four into a solid and supportive workroom. They've performed internationally and believe that life is too short to only be one person. Our chat was so much fun and you wouldn't believe what this old maiden brought into the studio. Here they are. Hello, Cheddar. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. How are you? You were late. I was late. I'm so sorry, but I'm a drag queen, so I'm always on time. It's the world that is completely out of sync. <laughs> I'm happy to accept that. Yeah, I'm so excited to see this happening because I've seen this project in its works for a long, long time and in various different forms. So how wonderful that you should be here shredding on the pod. (laughs) I'm very grateful that you're here because you've been with me digitally in our digital relationship for for years. 2020 was when we first when I yeah, when we first met over Zoom and I remember I actually was speaking about this yesterday to my housemate and I remember hearing you gasp (gasps) when I was shredding, when I was putting (gasps) things through the shredder initially and I could just hear, (gasps) no, (gasps) she, what? It's real though. Yes. It's real. And like, because you've been shredding for a long time now, right? Yes. How long? So it's been about five years. Have you got anything left to shred? So much. You cannot fathom how long it takes to go through things. 
you start with, I had five boxes that I wanted to shred initially. And then you think a three hour performance of continuous shredding will make a dent. Doesn't even make a dent. And I think, I think the longevity of this performance is that I'm not going to keep accumulating as I'm doing the show because that would be kind of disingenuous to the idea of what hoarding means and my journey through that. But I think what I was looking through my boxes today because I'm going to shred something with you today. Maybe one or Love two that. things. So Love we do that. it together. Maybe I will too. But I literally just put my hand in a box, grabbed what I could and just pulled out and I was like, I'm going to shred these today. So it feels amazing for you to be here whilst we're in a I'm new format. I'm not going to let you do it. I feel like there's going to be something <laughs> that's just too important that I don't want you to shred. It's fine. I, this is a safe space. I feel safe. It's absolutely and is fine. And is the aim to have nothing in the end? That's a really good question. Um... I don't know, I feel like I'm leading a much more minimalist lifestyle. Mm. I have a, a consciousness and awareness of if I am picking something up, do I need to keep this? No, I don't need to keep this stagecoach bus receipt. <laughs> I don't need to keep this. That I'll let you shred that. <laughs> That's but, fine. But it's even that accumulation. But what about you? Do you have things in your house or do you have something... That's gathering a bit of dust or that you, know, you think we need to get rid of. When I agreed to do this, I was like, I haven't got anything. I lead a very, I live a, a Spartan life. <laughs> do you know what I mean? There's nothing that is not essential in my existence. And then it's funny because then you open a cupboard and you're like, oh, there is that. Mm-hmm. There is that, and there's that that I, I didn't know I had. What are these dats? I've brought a lot of different things here today. I thought that we could maybe do a warm-up first, because there's some stuff that I'm like, I don't need to debate with you. It's just stuff that I just needed to get rid of. Yeah. I don't want to use you like that, but I don't own a shredder. <laughs> so do you know you're just a little bit like, well, this is a nice it's opportunity. It is an opportunity. So I've brought, just as a reformed academic which is what I like to call it, because you know what I mean? We've moved on with our life in a certain sense. I'll be back to it one day when I can't find stable employment any other way. <laughs> um, as an academic, quite often you print stuff out because you, you want to sit and read and do things like at a night time. And as I was getting to the tail end of like giving up on the dream of being like a hardcore academic, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Someone who's like writing and doing like intelligent Lectures, stuff. Lectures, symposiums. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and as I kind of gave up on that reality and started to move into a different reality, um, the I would print things out and I'd be like, oh, I've got to read that. I'm going to read that. I'm going to read that. And mm. I'd print it out and, like, and then I'd get caught up in prepping a show or like kind of doing this or doing that or like playing a computer game or whatever it is I do with my time. And um, you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I was probably writing a TED talk. And um, (laughs) definitely not on the Xbox. But as you get caught up in that, you kind of... And then you put it to the side and like I would print out more because I'd like see things and be like, that. I need to do that, I need to read that one, that's something important. And then like over the years, like I would just occasionally I'd pick it up and I'd be like, I definitely still need to read that, I do. I haven't got time now. I haven't got time right now, but I will, I'll make time. So I've just got this pile of academic articles that are just like sat here, like sat here. Like, like intriguing things. Let me get my glasses out so I look intelligent. I don't need them. <laughs> I don't need them. 
It's just about having a costume they're change. They're fashion glasses. They're, are they fashion glasses? No, they are real glasses. They're, no. they're real glasses. They're real, yeah, yeah. yeah. But sure. <laughs> minus, let's call them, we're in the minuses. Let's call them fashion glasses. Oh, they're worse than the minuses, I oh, promise you. Oh, no. Um, notes to the self, the visual culture of selfies in the age of social media. Mm -hmm. Really, really interesting. What year was oh, that written? What, uh, who, that was... Who's um, the <laughs> What year was this written? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, 2015. Oh, okay. So yeah. quite, so almost a decade. Yeah, almost a decade ago. They've been doing selfies for a long time yeah. by Derek Conrad Murray, 2015. Ah, Derek. Oh, yes, Derek. Really interesting sounding article. Really important. Probably should read that. Yes. Should, should, oh. This is the warm-up, kids. <laughs> there's, too, there's too many. Take, do half what, of those. Do half of this them. This is from 1999. And you're telling me it won't fit. <laughs> <laughs> go, go, go. Oh. Is, this, is it? Yeah, is yeah, yeah. That's yeah. still too much. No. Come on, help me. Ah! Uh, Never gonna read that article. Okay. It's gone forever. Did it work? Yeah, let's let's uh, half it again. Let's half, half it again. Yeah, well, this half is those this again. is like wow. You can do wow. you can do lots. Never gonna read that article. Oh, there's a picture of a bum on the back. What? Is that a bum? Wow. Oh my god, it is. So let's put that facing this way so everyone can oh see the bum. That might, yeah, it's Explo the same article as well, you know. <laughs> oh, it doesn't look... She's got, she's got a bit of a scrape on that. Oh. Just so everybody knows, it says here in the note underneath the photograph that it was reproduced with the artist's permission. Excellent. Thank you very much. We oh, that's the stuff. Oh, you don't have to worry about reading these again. References. <laughs> oh. Sexing the City, the sexual production of non-heterosexual space in Belfast, Manchester and San Francisco oh. by Rob Kitchen. Very fascinating Rob, article. What year was that written? That was written in uh, 2002. <gasps> no. No, people weren't alive then. I know, I was like 11. <laughs> oh my God, Get I'm it in so the frigging old. <laughs> Old maiden. That's me. I was like studying. Well, to be fair, like I probably picked these up after that date, right? Oh, it's so satisfying, isn't it? Isn't it? Like, oh, sorry, academia. There's a place for you, but just There's not a place now. For you. Well, do you know what? There's a place for you, and it's called online. Yes. And um, I'm into that. Like, I'm hoping this gets recycled, by the way. Yes. There we go. Oh, 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 that one was a trickier one. <laughs> Bit too heavy. <laughs> Bit too heavy. Very heavy academic thought. <laughs> Here we go. Now we're getting into some serious, like, this. And you can tell it's when I was, like, moving into the territory of drag, right? This is from 2008. And it's called Chicks with Dicks, Men in Dresses by Verta Taylor and Layla Rupp. Title is not designed to antagonise. Mm -hmm. oh, it is designed to report upon the kind of terminology that people were using to describe people on places like the internet. Just trying to get rid of a staple because staples can't go through the machine. Should we make this your final shred we for shall. the warmer pack? We shall, but I'm putting in two things because they're important. So we're getting rid of female spectacle. The theatrical roots of modern feminism. Mm. Mm. So, thanks, Susan, Glenn. Look at her. Doesn't she look nice? <laughs> Having a lovely time. Goodbye. She, she seems a woman of the time. Goodbye. And now she's not. Thank Farewell. you very much. But I'm keeping this, which isn't an academical article. <laughs> You've not even drunk anything. I've not even drunk anything. It's a... Um, and I don't know how this got in here. It's about Harvey Milk, but it's written by Frank Robinson, who was a, a writer 
who I met in San Francisco, and he gave me this personally. So it's his account of wow. Harvey Milk. So I'm keeping that. Yes, you must, because that's Moving a gift. On. That's a gift. Moving on. So how do you feel after shredding these documents? These have that have been sitting in your cupboard since, you know, the dawning of time. I feel like there's more work to do. Mm. It's that acknowledgement, isn't it, of going, well, that's actually not going to have any meaning for me mm-hmm. um, unless I choose to engage and give it meaning and I'm not yes. doing it. It's the intention. You have the intention to read these and you didn't quite get round to and it's that's okay. It's getting over denial, I think, because you, you keep it with the idea that it's going to have significance. Mm-hmm. But then you have to acknowledge it's not. And yeah. you know it's not. Don't you? Not anymore. Anyway. <laughs> no! <laughs> no! I think you've done a fabulous job to warm up. I think maybe right. a warm-up act should be a big part of this podcast. I love that. Just to settle into... Get, come and bring the things that you know you want rid of. Yes, that's, that's also fine. I'm happy to facilitate that. I'm going to leave those. <laughs> <laughs> what are all these documents? Where right. are they? These will end up in my show when I do my show live. Love that. Feminism and the cultural... You'll be like, yeah. shit. <laughs> what did I read? Was I drunk? <laughs> when did I download these? Uh... So as you know, I'm a hoarder and I've hoarded things from a millennia. And it's really hard to let go of things. And so on this podcast, I wanted guests to explore three different aspects. So... Mm an item from their childhood or an early memory or a first. A second item is a time where things maybe weren't so good in one's life. And the final one being an amazing memory that you'll treasure forever. Great. So I believe you brought three items. I have brought three items. You brought three items. So let's start with your first one. What yes. have you brought with you today? Uh, do you want to do those in that order or would you no, like No, not necessarily, no. Well, would you like something creative? Would you like something from the past or would you like an enduring thing in my life? I quite like a pasto. A pasto? A pasto. <laughs> a pasto. I like a pasto. Is that, a, is that like an actual term that we're now coining? Well, it's time for the pasto of the evening. Yes, it's the pasto. The pastos, the people from the olden days. I love that. Well, this is, and this is genuine, this is... Two photographs, one of them taken by me and one of them taken by the other person in the photograph with me. And uh, this person is the first person I ever loved. And uh, we're still friends. We're still in touch. We've both been on a great deal of many roller coasters in our life since then. But these are the only copies of these photographs. Here's me with hair. What? Yeah, you didn't even think that was me in the picture, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. I thought that was your first one. No, 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 no. So I am uh, sat in the... This was like a sunny day in the park in Birmingham. Because you grew up in Birmingham. Yeah, well, I'm a Brummer. I'm from Northampton. Ah. Oh. So just not so far away from you. Ah, so growing up. This was a sunny day in the park that we had together. And then we went walking around. I think we ended up at a dump, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> Can you describe, what just a for great the listeners, date. can you just describe what's going on in these photos? My memory is not very good, right? It's genuinely not very good. But I remember that, so there's a picture of me, um, well, a picture of me wearing sunglasses and with hair. I know some of you don't what? believe it ever happened. When? So it must be like in my early 20s. Okay. Or like my late, probably even my late teens, actually. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it must have been in my late teens. Like, when did you uh, with the hair? Is it? What, is it? Well, it's all right. You don't have to feel <laughs> awkward about it. It's when did okay. You, are you I'm bold very, I don't know whether you've seen RuPaul's Drag Race UK, but I'm actually very comfortable about not having any hair. I know. I, know. I am though. I'm very comfortable about not having hair. I love not having hair. It's the I best bet. thing ever. I like, feel like shaving. Oh off. yeah, it's amazing. Like you don't have to do anything. Like, and sure, sometimes you look like a giant thumb. But, you know, the advantages really, really have to be expressed. Yeah, I mean, you don't have any dandruff or any dryness, so you no. look after your beautiful top. The beautiful, beautiful top. top. That's what they call beautiful me. Beautiful top. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I've been bald now for... Or sleeker. I've been sleeker. Uh, do you know, it was during my PhD research... And it was an. It odd was so stressful. Well, it was. You know, it was an odd thing that happened. And for those people who don't know what my PhD research was about, get ready, kids are about to get serious. Strap in. Yeah. So my PhD research was about sex in public places and sex work. And so I spent a year working with a lot of guys who were selling sex on the street. So not interested in escorting stuff. I was interested in stuff that happened in public places, mm. uh, pubs and, cruising. you know, cruising, cruising, parts of the the city, parts of the gay village that were used for sex, but also how that intersected with people who were trying to find money mm-hmm. um, and trying to make money from it. Let's be clear, they weren't making money <laughs> from this. They were often seeking enough money to get whatever it was they mm. needed to find a place to stay, mm-hmm. to get something to eat. There was a, a real blurring of of those relationships of survival mm. and earning because although they'd sometimes articulate it as as almost like they were trying to make a lot of money most of the time they really weren't no. making ends um, meet and yeah and so when hanging around like it just I used to have very kind of strange experimental hair and like it just became one day I ended up just shaving all my hair off it was strange because at that time I felt like it was about the fact my hair was thinning mm. and I look back on it now and I go actually I was like I was quite heavily involved socially through the research with just people who didn't have like fancy hairstyles and it always was it was just easier just to shave your head and fit in for want of a better expression to kind of like be able to be around people it just made life a little bit more easy this would have been an in the early part of our relationship because we had a little relationship when we were younger and then later on in my mid-twenties we started dating again a wonderful creative quite amazing human being who I still love, you know, and like I've got a partner now I've been with for two years and like there is absolutely no shame in saying that I absolutely still love my first love. Mm-hmm. We could never be together. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's that feeling of you, yeah. there comes a point with some people where you acknowledge I love them and I always will love them mm-hmm. and I want the best for them and I want to see them happy and, you know, since me, I've seen them in different relationships. They were married and subsequently have come out of a relationship again. I just want to see them happy and I want mm. to see them thriving and I want to see them well. Mm. Um, we could never be together. <laughs> and that's said no, with you. love. No, I love said you, with but love. no thanks. No, and it's not even a no thanks. It's just like we both know. It's, it's like, a, yeah. no, no, that would not no, be good not for us. either of us. Yes, not us. So, yeah, these are quite special, exceptional early memories mm. with this person. How do you feel? Um, do they conjure up memories of that day I don't feel sadness or even mm. though there's so much sadness from our relationship mm. I don't feel any sadness now yeah like because we have been there and yes. we've talked everything out and we've reconciled do you know I am an over communicator my boyfriend would tell you like I am like 
we are going to talk this through. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk everything through to your sick of talking about it. <laughs> if you would like to. You know, <laughs> it'd be a pleasure too, but please don't say no. <laughs> please do not say no. Because I need that, like in my life, yes. I need that, and um, I think my life's better for it. Sure, that's not for everyone, and then you know, those people aren't meant to be in a relationship with me. Um, but the yeah, we definitely come to a, a place where we're leading such different lives now, mm. and he lives in the states now. Is you know going through a lot, but like if you're out there and you're watching, you know I love you but he's like doing some amazing things for himself, which is really cool. It just makes me reflect upon our contemporary relationship, but that could be part of the fact I struggle quite a lot with emotion and I struggle quite a lot with really strong emotion. And quite often my body does this thing where like, and this, this is something I discovered during therapy, which is why therapy is really yes, good therapy. for you kids. Love we love therapy here. I hope you don't mind my extended eye contact with the camera occasionally. <laughs> um, I like to break the fourth wall, <laughs> which you can do in podcasts too. Um, but I struggle quite a lot with feeling strong emotion. And so for me, when I start feeling something and it's like I start to feel it and when I start to feel a little thing, it gets very threatening very quickly. Right. And the moment it starts to get past a certain point of tolerance, my brain just shuts it. Mm. It's like, no, we will not deal with that right now. Laters. Laters. And when I say later, I mean, we'll put it in a corner and we'll ignore it. There. Right. Okay. Forever. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think that is going on here because I, I think like... I've cried a lot over mm. this person and I've laughed a lot with this person and have moved forward. Wow, it's just really reflective for me to hear that because okay. I'm thinking about my first love mm. and only really experiencing love in maybe my mid-20s, so actually pretty recently, mm. and having to say goodbye to that has been... Uh, well, only when I was sober for those 100 days did I really accept to say goodbye and if I had those photos, I think I'd be grateful to remember where I was then and how far I've come since then and to be like, thank you for that experience. Would I shred them? I personally probably would, but I would find it cathartic and maybe a bit sad. It's a bit of a risk, isn't it? Because you want to remember them because that's from a long time ago and maybe you do have photos still like this of you mm. two or are these the only two that you've got? I've got photos of him. Mm -hmm. Um I've probably got one of us together. Because mm. this is like, this will be earlier than like, the real digitization of photography. Don't get me yeah. wrong, photographs were being digitized, but social media wasn't Manual. so huge. It Manual was, yeah. camera. Yeah. Um, it wasn't so huge. And you, you'd have a digital camera, but then you'd print pictures out. Yes. Right? I remember those days. Right. I remember them. For all the children watching, <laughs> once upon a time, after the days of film photography, we went through a period where we would have a digital camera and we would go to Boots still oh and God, they yeah. would print it for us. It was marvellous. And then we would still have the archaic photographs. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of pre the point where personal photography totally got transferred to social media, yes, which is what it, it is now, right? Yeah. The archive and our albums are, and the things, the, the place where we keep our memories is digital. Yes. And I think one of the discussions we had actually was about um, how would you turn your concept of landfill of memories into a digital concept mm. where you could start getting rid of the real clutter probably in our lives now, yes. which is digital. Well, I mean, just thinking about my own laptop, I've got all my stuff on my laptop but then I also have like a Google Drive which I upload everything to and then on my phone like I pay yep. for the iCloud so Shame. It, and I have an external Shame. storage well, do you remember what I said I thought you should do 
Yes. Do you remember what I thought you should I do, yeah. yes. How terrifying is that? Everything into one folder and drag it to the recycle bin. No, that's oh. not what I said. Do you no. want to know what I said to you? I said that you should have an art project where you put everything in a folder, gave people access and let other people oh, let delete other people it. let people delete it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Wild! I don't know Wild. whether I'm ready for that. No. Wild. Yes. Yes. That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? So in regards to this, this item piece, one, yeah. are you going to shred? No. And do you know, do you like, because why I'm thinking about it, because you know what? It's not just mine to shred. Mm. Do you know, like if this was somehow a representation of like a bad experience in my life or an experience that I wanted to lose or more importantly, a connection mm -hmm. that wasn't active. So maybe the correct thing that I do with these is... Ask him whether he wants them back because he did give them to me. And if he says no, he doesn't want them, yeah. will you come back and shred them? Do you know what? I think they're all, I'm all right with them being in the drawer. Okay, yes. I'm all right with them being in the drawer. Yes. It wasn't an unpleasant memory. And he also, I don't have a lot of stuff from when I was young. You know, I didn't take a lot of mm. photographs. Mm -hmm. I wasn't on social media until I did in drag. So for me, like, it's like a rare opportunity to. <laughs> Even have a picture of me at that age. Yes, so. exactly. So I definitely think you should stick with those. I'm keep them. Yeah. I'm keep gonna them. keep them. You're gonna keep them. Okay, I'm gonna keep them. Item two. I, let's do a fun one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's do a, do a fun, fun one. one. So do you know you're a hoarder, right? Yes, I am a hoarder. I'm a little bit of an archiver. Mm -hmm. So I like to take hoarding and turn it in my mind into something that has a deeper meaning and purpose so that I feel important <laughs> about the fragments of crap in my life. Okay. Right? So Collecting. It's, yeah, it's Collection. not a hoard. No. It's an archive. Yes. Right? Yeah, and that's just an alternative word for hoarding. Absolutely. <laughs> it's hoarding with an index. <laughs> and so... <laughs> It is, though, isn't it? <laughs> Museums. I'm using that in the, Museums, in the, hoarding with an index, yes. and sometimes theft as well. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it is, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's ultimately what that entire culture of preservation is about. Yes. And it's also probably where we get our desire for a culture of preservation, where we want to preserve things, because we have this idea that documentation and artifact have this power within them mm. and that somehow they have this power and this importance so like one of the things that I did as part of anthropology was a lot of stuff about museum studies and that kind of thing so the archive and the idea of preserving aspects of mm -hmm. our lives mm -hmm. of other people's lives of the different worlds that we live the in histories, like the legacies yep. stories yep. as well stories. archiving like these things that is a um that is grounded in a certain kind of knowledge mm. and knowledge making mm -hmm. and a certain kind of power that goes with that right mm. so one of the things that I like to do is that um, when I started doing drag I realized very very quickly that whilst we take pictures and we may still exist in the digital realm through the kind of digital connections we form over social media mm. or in the photographs that people take of us or indeed in the television shows we may appear on. Whilst we are preserved in those ways, the actual physical processes involved often are not preserved. Mm -hmm. They're very ephemeral. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You literally spend hours doing this labor, putting the drag on mm. and then like taking it off. And so whilst I embrace the idea that the labor of drag is in the relationship you form with that spectacle, mm -hmm. for a while I became really obsessed with the idea of preserving that effort, mm -hmm. of finding a way to preserve and archive um, this particular form of drawing or painting that it was I was doing on my face. Yes. And so uh, I started 
and I'm certainly not the first person to do this. I'm certainly definitely not the last. Um, but I started to um, archive my faces. Oh my gosh. And they're perfectly preserved, almost perfectly preserved yeah, faces. Yeah, they're a little bit lumpy, but that's just because of the way they're stored and because sometimes like there's gems and things on them. Wow, pearls. Pearl yeah, face. lots of pearls and bits of paper sometimes and things. When did so. you start this, this archive? Oh, there's some more. There's some, I don't know what that is. That's just some bits that I forgot to stick on. Um, I started this from the first time I did drag. So, I mean, that's a lovely one. Look at that one. That one's lovely, that. Sometimes, Is that like the QR code? Yeah, they used to stick a QR code on my head as a kind of an ode to the digitisation of our identities. Right. Wow. Yeah. And like not every single face has been recorded. No. But there was a period in my life where I was like properly, you know, I'd do a face. Yeah. And then I'd write on it. So they've, they've still got like, they've got some of them got writing on yeah. telling you the date. At the bottom. Like, yeah. yeah like the a, date, the event. Like a painting. Yeah. I do have a couple that a belong to other people. So I've got like, that's Lorraine Kelly's. That's Lorraine Kelly's face? That's Lorraine Kelly's face. What? So, so what's the process of gathering? Lorraine Kelly's face? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> all, of the, all of her face. So Lorraine Kelly, we when we did Drag SOS, which was a TV show that was produced in collaboration with Channel 4, now currently available on Netflix to watch at any time. <laughs> um, when we started doing Drag SOS, um, there was a whole load of press around it, and one of the things we did was we made over Lorraine Kelly. Oh. And so at the end of the day... I made a point of, because I was collecting faces a lot at that point, uh, I just, at the end of the day, was like, Lorraine, I need your face. And that was the 2nd of October. Is that 2019? 2019. And so this is one of my... I've got like three or four of these. This of, is, of Lorraine? No. Three oh, or four of, of these, these folders. Books. Yeah. Three or four of these folders. For the listeners, what I'm seeing is a humongous book with... Are they face wipes? They are face wipes. Face wipes with faces... Dried face wipes. Dried face wipes. It's not as with, gross as it sounds. With dried faces from where makeup's been taken off, but it's perfectly preserved in the face. So there's eyelashes, like... I was going to say external eyelashes. It's not, they're not external eyelashes. Fake eyelashes. Fake eyelashes. Fake, like, fake, fake yeah. eyelashes, pearls and beads and lips. External eyelashes. Don't put your internal eyelashes. <laughs> put your externals on. Um, and just beautiful faces. Beautiful, but also um, disjointed and yeah. not always symmetrical. And yeah. How Be a love. So you have to, like, you kind of, the way to do it, you literally, you get a face wipe. I'll normally do the eyes first, so I'll press down mm. with the face wipe. And I'll kind of, like, rub. Sometimes you can spray your face with, like, an oil as well. That helps because that'll lift it off. more. Or, like, sometimes you go in the shower and it's so it's wet. And mm. you really just wipe it down like that. And then I'd put the lips on and then get any kind of skin texture on I can. And when I first started doing it, I would be very conscious of, like, making sure everything was really, really neat. Yeah. Um, but as time's gone on, I actually like the messiness of it. And I think mm. there's two different things that are going on there. One, like I think I've moved on. I don't want things to be remembered perfectly anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't need that idea that I'm somehow archiving my life. And mm -hmm. so I've, I've kind of lost interest a lot in this now. I still keep the makeup wipes. They're just in a bag. They're yeah. not like kind of... I will get round to putting them in the archive at some point. Yes. But it's not what's preoccupying me at the moment. Yeah. But I also quite like how... It's strange. So I went through a period of depression a couple of years ago that I've only very, very recently started to kind of... Do you know when you like, look, you start to have those little moments. I don't know whether you've had an ex experience with depression. Yeah, breakdown. 
Yeah. Right. Had a okay. breakdown, depression, anxiety. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, like being a performer. But we can laugh about it now, oh, thank God, heavens. Yes. Um, and so it's only recently that as you have those small moments where you start to feel a little lifted mm-hmm. and or normal, not even lifted, where you start to feel what a clear head feels like. Mm-hmm. And it was only in those moments where I was able to reflect back and go, oh, I see. During that period of my life, I really wasn't very good. Yes. That was quite a, a tough period and I didn't give myself credit for it at the time. I didn't mm-hmm. give myself space to kind of let that sit and go, oh, actually, something's mm-hmm. not wrong. You just tell yourself that that's what life's like because mm-hmm. life's hard and sad. Because When I look back so on long. that period, like one, I didn't archive my faces as well, but also they became really messy. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that that I like, that mm-hmm. like I'm not having that care over being fastidious in the same way. It mm-hmm. reflected something that was going on in me. Yes, exactly. And I, I, I don't know, because obviously that's a longer journey that will be told probably in five years' time. Mm-hmm. But like in terms of being able to look back upon them and go, ah, there's that period of like two years where the faces just got a little bit mm-hmm. wild. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of story mm-hmm. in these faces. So what I was going to say is, Do you want to pick one or two to shred? Oh, gosh. Because, like, I can't pick one or two, like, because they're all precious to me. They're all precious and they all represent, like, really beautiful things to me. Like, Mm. they each have a specific memory and a specific time. But you don't have to shred on this podcast. I'm all right. You don't have to shred. I'm all right, you know, I'm in a good place. So you're happy for me to just to choose one? Yeah, I think it would be interesting. Okay. I'm interested to see my emotional reaction and like to see whether you choose one and I go, no! If you have a breakdown. um, No, not Michelle Visage's (laughs) one. You have a Michelle Visage. I've got a Michelle Visage. I don't know whether it's in this folder. Do you have a RuPaul one? Hell no. RuPaul. Nobody's got (laughs) a RuPaul one. I'm saying it like um, Maggie Smith. RuPaul. RuPaul. Um, But if you do have, uh, if if Ru is watching, because I know she follows me. So if Ru is watching and she does wish to add a RuPaul face wipe to my collection... I would very happily receive it. Okay, I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose this one, which what is. What is it? Did you it's... pick a boring one in purpose? <laughs> you did, didn't you? You did, didn't you? You don't know me. I did. Oh, yes, you, you, do. picked a, Why you picked you a boring know? one on purpose. I picked a boring. You did, didn't you? Well, if you think because you were boring... like, you were like, oh, which one was it that you picked? I, I picked. And I'll I tell you whether it's that... significant. Well, there's the TED Talk one. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty significant. And my TED Talk is available to watch currently on YouTube. So I take the just. Just take the makeup wipe. Just yeah. take the wipe. Yeah, I think that'll go through the shredder, right? The external, the external lash is holding it's on for beautiful. dear life. And, um, Talk you, me through the look. Yeah. Because I remember, yeah, 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 I remember watching yeah, the TED yeah, yeah. Talk, but I don't so, remember this specific look. Uh, it's something that I was doing, at this point I was doing a lot of kind of very painterly things. So I would like splatter my face mm-hmm. and like put loads of random brush strokes on and do all that kind of stuff. And it would all look very kind of like mad and artistic. And then I, I really like with makeup making a mess and mm-hmm. then neatening it afterwards. Yes. So I'd make a huge mess on my face, put some fab highlighter on it, like put some wild colours on and then just put a nice line over the top and it, that always kind of neatened it up. Um, so yeah, very painterly, very pretty. Uh, I was wearing like an ink stained outfit. Yes, I think I remember. Yeah. Were you wearing a hat? Or a yeah, like kind of a weird... Yes, this kind of shape. It was like a... Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way to describe that shape of hat. 
Um, so yeah, that's my TED talk look. Great. Let's should we get in the shred? Do do Are you, you happy to, you to shred? Wanna, I'm doing it. Do you think you take the eyelashes or not? I'm gonna remove the external eyelashes. Leave the internal ones on though, won't you? Yeah, I think they're on. Well, we'll see. Well, should we see what happens? Yes. Let's see what happens. We're gonna break the machine on the first go. TED talk. What date? The first of February, day before my birthday. Wow. First of February. What year? Uh, Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. It didn't work. It went without us. It didn't work though. That's the problem we have. Like I don't. I think it's going to be too soft. It's going to be indestructible as well. Available now to buy on my Etsy. Oh my god! I love it. That was so exciting. That was so exciting. Did it? I think we need more paper again. I don't think that it's going to work. You know, because it's too soft. Let's try and. We need some more. Why don't you paper. jam it between two pieces of paper? Uh, really? Yeah. Okay, let me find. Let me just go I don't through think my it's script. Gonna work. Right, here we go. <laughs> Round two. <gasps> I don't think it worked. No. Indestructible. Well, that's great. That's good. Well, do you know what? That means that you can keep it as a gift. <gasps> I'll keep it as a gift and I'll put it in a frame and I'll put it on my wall. Cute. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And you can come around any time and observe. And look at it. And look, <laughs> look, at, look at my face print. <laughs> And even though you aren't putting it through the shredder, you are still letting it go and giving it to me. So thank you very much. I surrender to the universe, my face. So, final item. We've gone through such a journey. We've got a magical one. Okay. We've got Ooh. a magical one. And this will be interesting because it allows us to talk a bit about spirituality. Because mm -hmm. I like talking about spirituality. Yes. So, I'm a person, I don't really have any particular religious belief. Um, I like the idea of social energies. I like the idea of magic taking form between mm -hmm. people socially. Mm -hmm. Not like in a kind of like ooky spooky, like powerful way. An like oogly boogly an way. oogly boogly, like ooh, lightning from my fingertips <laughs> kind of way. Um, but I quite I like the idea of thinking about how humans make magic together in the relationships they form and in the, the energy that they can put into one another and making stuff happen, right? Mm -hmm. So I like that idea of magic. I'm very open-minded when it comes to the idea of spiritual and religious belief. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't describe myself as a very spiritual person. But um, I was once given a tarot card, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know, I went, it was, to a, it was in a bar. So I went to this event at a bar. Bar where? Uh, in the gay village, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it was like a special event. It was like an arts event, and there was this tarot card reader, who was giving people um, cards in envelopes. Okay. And like the idea is that whatever card is meant to be seen by you is going to find its way to you, because mm -hmm. it's all about how chance ends up giving you. Uh, the message that you're supposed to receive, mm -hmm. right? It's that called, like, well, obviously the idea is that the spirits are working through the cards and making that a reality. Making its journey towards you. Yeah, so this person was giving out cards and I received a card that um, is... Shall I turn it now? Shall I turn it now? Yes. Turn it so I received this card. Son of a butch. No. How many is that? The ten of wands? Wands. Ten yeah. of wands. Do you know tarot? Li I Are you into it? I dabble. <laughs> Don't we all? I dabble a little bit, yeah. I do like tarot cards. I often do tarot readings with friends. Great. Not for money, obviously. Great. But yeah, I've got a great deck of Game of Thrones tarot Fun. cards, which are brilliant, which it, they line up exactly Fun. like, you know, the Arcana, so what the Aquarius do you, deck. What do you know about this card? 
Ten of Wands, battle, carrying, is it betrayal? Well, it's like he's doing, right? So He's carrying too much. He's carrying too much. Mm. There's like a feeling of responsibility and a feeling of... Uh, like it's all just a little bit too much to cope with. Mm -hmm. It's too much stuff going on. And this guy's taken responsibility for carrying it. Mm -hmm. And it made so much sense to me receiving that card because at that point I was trying to do a lot of different things. I, I, I am that person who tries to do a lot of things and yeah. often ends up dropping a lot of them spinning along the a, way. Lots of spinning plates. Absolutely. And the game is keeping them up. Absolutely. And often it ends in, it doesn't end in disaster because I normally keep going, mm. but it ends up in... I think sometimes me not being able to just have like nice, happy days because mm -hmm. I always feel like I've got to tell I me mean, like right now I'm like, I've got this to do. I've got this to do. I've got to prepare a presentation. I've got this little bit of writing that I'm finishing. I've got to prepare for a show over here. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm very much that person. And I think I am often to my detriment, the person who feels like I have to do it all myself, mm -hmm. except when it comes to sewing. <laughs> Completely fine with giving that away. Yes, I th I would agree with that. No interest in sewing. Sorry, everyone. Sorry, Rue. I'm sorry. It was made with glue. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it just really resonated with me. And I kept the card mm. and uh, just because it felt like it was really, really kind of there. And then this was probably 2018, something like that, that this card came to me. Mm -hmm. And um, in 20... It was during the pandemic. Mm hmm and I, my art studio, uh, like members of my drag family, lived there. And it was New Year's Eve, one of the pandemic years. And one of my drag sisters is really into tarot. She does a lot of readings. And she uh, did a one-card reading for me. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you know what's coming, don't did you? That, that came up. That came up for you again. Same card again. Mm. And... I burst into tears, which is like really unusual for me. And uh, well, not quite burst into tears. Tears happened. I yes. never really burst they into tears. They came out of your face yeah, without, you know what I mean? yeah, without you wanting <sighs> them to. Yeah. Mm. What well, is this happening? Stop that. <laughs> yeah, they stop wanna, that. Emotion. They won't stop. Mm. Oh, God. Um, and it was this really weird feeling that like it was three or four years later, whatever mm. it was. I felt like I'd gone nowhere. Mm. I felt like I was still there carrying, like trying to carry too much, probably failing at picking a lot of it up um, and beating myself up for it along the way. But I've had the card ever since. I still kept the card. And I think my relationship to the card has really changed. And actually my drag sister was really helpful with this because she saw that I was sad. And she said, you know, you don't have to see this as a bad thing. Yes. yes. Because... You know, this guy or this human, whoever they are, they're pretty strong mm. and they're, you know, they're trying like, you know, and but they're also they're really doing an unmanageable job, but they're, they're kind of holding it together and yes. keeping up and keeping going. And there's there's a symbol of strength in that yes. There's a symbol of like, yeah, so whilst the task that might be set is too high, you may never succeed. Actually, this this the, them ones are being carried. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and they're getting they're getting places. Um so I have an ambivalent relationship with the card and in what it says about me, both what's very, what I think can be very positive qualities about me, but also what can be really, really quite rubbish qualities. Because mm. sometimes I end up letting people down as a result of that, mm. you know, and like friends are classic ones. I often, I often get so caught up in bits of work and bits of distraction and definitely not playing on the Xbox. Um, but I often get caught up in other things 
whether it be in my whatever's going on in my mental health, or whatever's going on with my love ecology, I call it. That's my fancy word for addiction. Because uh, you've got to give it a sense of gravitas, kids, ain't you? And um, in the things that I get caught up in, I often end up letting friends down. And so it's this, I have this weird ambivalent relationship and I'm aware that I try to do a lot and I've got a lot done in my life and I feel very proud of the things mm. that I've been able to mm -hmm, get done. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I am aware that sometimes my desire to get so much done ends up leading to people being let down. Mm. And this card currently lives. Um, so whilst I'm not, this is going to be something because I've been like, I'm not a very spiritual person. However, on my altar at home... <laughs> Oh. Classic altar. On my altar. <laughs> I don't know whether you've got an altar. So I've got an altar. It's not worshipping a god. I place on my altar things that tell a story and have a significance to mm. me. Mm -hmm. And some of that's about bits of my personality I'm trying to work out or mm -hmm. they're significant people in my life to remind myself. So there's like a couple of little things that my boyfriend gave me. There's a couple of little things that my niece and my nephew gave me. Mm -hmm. There's some stones from when my niece and nephew were very, very small and we went to the beach together. There's a couple Aww. of pine cones. You know, there's a, a small incense dish that a good friend of mine gave me. It's full of like little bits. And so it lives. And for a while it lived underneath my altar and I had this weird thing Ooh. so I went through a really Stay weird position yeah I went for a really weird time where I wanted to look at it mm -hmm. this weird time where I was like I don't know whether I'm ready to let go of this yes but I need it to be out of sight but I need to recognize the kind of centrality that it's still playing in how I'm living my life yes. and so it has lived they lived for a while literally underneath the dish that the altar was placed upon. And you can kind of go, oh, yeah, there's something that's a little bit like, oh, that doesn't sound very But that very sounds like juju coming from the card through everything. Right. So what am I doing? Juju. But then I don't really believe in juju. So no. I'm like, this is about the story I'm telling for myself much yes. more than it is about mm. any kind of, but who knows? Yeah, yeah. No, that's just what I feel who from knows? hearing the story. Yeah. It's like you're but putting the feeling of that card yeah. under everything. And that is the juju. Yeah, that's the juju. That's the juju because it's juju. Psych psychological. Yes. Can, juju can be psychological too. Yes. It moved from underneath my altar. It sat on my altar face down. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, it's still quite a central position. And it's just, it's had like a little unicorn figurine that, um, well, a little figurine of me that somebody gave me like another like I get lots of really really cute gifts mm. and I think a lot of people think that you just throw them away I'm like no <laughs> like everything that people give to me yeah. if it's a little artistic thing I'm like that's staying yes and they normally end up in my home rather than my studio and so there was this little like wooden figurine of me as a unicorn that somebody had given me and so it was, it's been sat under that little wooden figurine mm. people are going to think I'm a proper no, they're not. They're not. I don't mind. But that's I the thing is I that we mind. all have we all have that emotional connection right. to things. You're trying to maybe remind yourself of like the, this, the, what this card is. This is, is a this psychoanalytical card? journey. Mm. This card, uh, on the card, there is a man kind of hunched over with his arms wrapped around ten branch-like staves. And this is the card in the tarot deck, called, which is called the Ten of Wands or the Ten of Staves. So tarot decks work a lot like con, you know, your conventional card decks. Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. fact, actually, conventional card decks are probably based on tarots, right? Because yes, the idea are, of different yeah. suits and then your different royals. So mm -hmm. in the tarot deck, you have these kind of suit cards. So you'd have the Nine of Staves, Eight of Staves, Seven of Staves, and then the swords mm -hmm. and the... Cups, swords, wands and... Is it stars? Coins. Coins, right. 
So coins, cups, stars, and wands, like the four suits of a dick. Swords and wands, yep. Swords and wands. Swords and wands. <laughs> Sounds like a good party. And um, then they have, obviously, the priestess and death and all of the kind of... Character. The character cards that people know about tarot. Yeah, this card represents a lot of things that I both want to hold on to and things that I want to let go of about myself. What are the things that you want to hold on to, if you don't um, mind exploring those? My desire, because a lot of this comes in like the idea that I think I give myself a lot of unnecessary responsibility, right. which simultaneously can come from a place of care, mm -hmm. but also when we're really brutally honest with ourselves, it comes from um, a self-image place. It comes from a place of wanting to make yourself feel like you're important as well right like at least that's just for me I like yes. if, I, if I get really brutally honest with myself yeah certainly like I really do care about things and I do want to look after people mm -hmm. but sometimes when you're trying to look after everything mm. that's probably more about you than it is about yes, other people I would agree with that yeah right yeah. I'll be there for you I'll do this I'll be there and then eventually spreading yourself so thin that actually you you're not functional anymore and you can't you care can't, for anyone you can't do anything yeah and it was actually a bit like that level of wanting to care for everyone um probably is bound up with the idea that you need to feel like you can take care of anything. Mm. That's my feeling of it. Yes. Um, because it's unrealistic. Yes. Would you say that you have got to a point now beyond carrying all this baggage, emotional baggage, psycho... I still set too many jobs for myself. Uh, that becomes its own form of paralysis, mm. right? Because mm -hmm. you're like, I want to do that, I want to do that, I want to do that. Yeah. Particularly coming off something like Drag Race. Like, yes. it's like, I want to make music. I'm going to yeah. write a book. I'm going to do a show. Like, yeah. And all of those possibilities are open to you with this impending idea that they're time limited yes, as well. Yes, yes, that you might not ever get this opportunity again. And like, that's that's that, mm. right? And absolutely, some people can do it really well. I don't think I can carry all those ones. No. And I, no and, one I, can. and I think that's because, like, there might also be an age thing in that because actually when, sure, when I was in my early 20s, I used to be trooping along with all those different ones. You know, mm. I was writing a PhD, I was starting a drag career, I was doing mm. this, I was doing that, I was, you know, I was here, there and everywhere. Mm. And um, I think, like, as I've gone on, like, I don't think I'm wanting to <laughs> carry no. that much because I, I look back and I go, I did that good and I did that good and I did that good. But maybe if I'd have just done that and that, I'd have done them really good. Mm. Because I feel like I'm at that point in my life where I'm like, I'd rather do three ones really well than uh, try and do ten ones. <laughs> do it with a smile and an eyebrow. <laughs> I'm a drag queen, it's what we do. I've got to turn it a little bit into a bit of innuendo, ain't I? Doing Drag Race for you was, yes, taking that opportunity, carrying all the burden, well, not the burden, but all the opportunities that come with that. And it is. And then kind of leaving Drag Race and kind of, you know, your career just exploding and just, as you say, having all these opportunities presented. But how do you manage to, I mean, how do you cope with being mm. able to balance all of those and it's a, that's expectations? And it's a lot of pressure on people. And, like, and mm. I think it's one of the things that people don't often discuss enough about people coming out of drug race because the mm. perception is it's all wonderful. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of it that's wonderful. For some people, it's not all wonderful no. because they're not given those same opportunities. I've been really lucky. Like, I'm, I feel really good about... You had an amazing career even before going on drug race. Yeah, so which I think helps because you end up not putting all of your sense of... Identity. Oh, this is everything for me. Yeah. And I think you have to have that to, to be on reality TV. You have to yeah. kind of feel like, well, if this all goes disastrously... 
I'm going to be all right still. Yeah. And I think that pressure that people feel has quite huge implications for people on any form of reality mm. TV. Mm. Um, and absolutely, yeah, life can be pretty great um, and you can get given access to a lot of experiences that people feel that they might want to have. But with that does go this sense of like, everybody's looking at me and I better do something good quick. Mm. That's a lot for people, I think. Yeah. So what was the drag race experience like for you during and how do you compare that to the feeling after when, you know, standing next to Danny Beard in the final, for mm. me, as someone who knows you relatively both well, mm. I was so proud. Mm. I was like two Manchester strong Manchester queens yeah. stood side by side. Honestly, I feel emotional thinking about it because I remember watching it being like, I don't know who's going to win, but whoever wins, mm. I'm going to be exceptionally proud of them. Yeah. And I think for me, I'm curious to know what the experience is like after there's a lot in there, like so. Thinking Sorry, of the experience, it's, that's questions. all right. <laughs> thinking of the experience itself, like I think for me, I was just like push through and get through it and try and stay honest. Mm. And I think because yes. rea- I'm not really a very reality TV person. Like in terms of like, I think you have to have a certain whatever it is. Jiggly, jiggly, you bitch. You know, it has to. Yeah, you have to have that kind the of energy. And of... I'm not very good at that. I'm very honest, and I think that did good things in the show. People mm. give me a lot of great feedback about kind of the way that I am. Yes. Um. So I'm very happy with like how that went, but it was just trying to stay honest. I was really surprised to be up there. Mm. So, and then people go, "What do you mean you're really surprised?" I'm like, "Because I've got great imposter syndrome, and I like mm. it's, I've got a very healthy imposter syndrome and a very healthy self-critic that tells me I shouldn't be in those places." And yeah, it was wild and wild and wonderful. It was wonderful for me knowing that whatever happened, like, and I know Danny's from Liverpool, but like. They're a Manchester queen. Yeah, totally. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Like we, you know, yeah. Man- Danny's based here. Yeah. I'm not from Manchester. No. Danny's not from Manchester, but we're both Manchester queens. Mm, like ping. our drag was born here. Yes. And so yes. that was wonderful for me. Mm. And I think wonderful for Danny too. Like, like in knowing that whatever happens, I remember Danny saying to me, whatever happens, everything's, you know, we, we've, We've done it. We've done our. We've done our best. We've we've won. You know what I mean. And yeah. that's that's I think how both of us really went into that final with mm. like we've won. Yes. Like feel feel good about and this. And that's this, how we've it won. felt when you watched it too. And it was. I meant everything I said. So I meant mm. what I said in in the root chat, and I meant I've meant what I've said since. Like I'm mm. so incredibly pleased and happy for Danny. And Danny's the right winner. Do you know? There's none of that. Like for me, there's none of that. Like you say, lots of the fans were very in that position of they would have been happy with either of us win, but Danny was the right winner, and that's because. Danny is made for that world of entertainment and they're so good at it and they're mm. so natural at it. Mm. And like the, being on the show with him, like I felt like always a few steps behind Danny because Danny was always ready with whatever the Give challenge yeah, was. Yeah. Whereas I really wasn't. I was like, oh, go on, quick, pick, pick up my back, pick up my shoes. Oh, where's my shoes? Oh. Uh, and so it, I felt like Danny was always just that little bit, you know, more into what the show was assessing. Sure. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. And, but also it was really important to Danny Danny is a massive fan of the show. and I like the show, absolutely. I think it was probably one of the most interesting experiences of my life. You know, it's it's very transformative. Mm. And it's there's a lot of self-confrontation involved. Yes, I can imagine. And Danny just, like, was like a swan through all that. Yeah. They were quite remarkable. Yeah. There were very few moments where it felt like Danny was, like, phased or... Yeah. It's the self-development through that experience, the yeah. experimentation of pushing your yeah. limits. But Danny's emotions are very on the surface all the time. So, mm. like, Danny 
will show Pisces? you who he is. Pisces? Pisces? I don't know, but Danny shows you who he is all the time. Pisces. You know, so that, that emotion. I always say that about Danny. They were completely and utterly themselves the entire yes. process because they are 100% authentically fake. <laughs> <laughs> My dear darling sister, I do love them. Yes. OK, so with these Ten of Wands then, the, the history of carrying the burdens of oneself for oneself and also simultaneously letting go of them. Mm. Would you like to shred or would you what like you to... Think? It's up to you, my dear. There, there is no pressure to shred anything here. I'm doing it. You're doing it? I'm doing it. Let's do it. Okay. And so, Because you know what? It's a bit I'm like with an, you on this. It's a bit like an act of magic and there's something quite exciting because one thing's for saying, like, that doesn't help me in the end. No. Even if it's something that I want to be. Should we do it? Yes, I'm happy to do it with you. I'm touching the shredder with love. Ah! It worked! Goodbye! Goodbye, Ten of Wands. Thank you for your service. Thank you so much, Dr Cheddar Gorgeous, for coming in today and sharing your gorgeous stories, your experience, your love and your care. It has been a beautiful day for me to have you here. And I really look forward to sharing this journey continuously with you. you. Um, And yeah, I'm really grateful that you're here. Thank you so much for sharing. Good luck in making a mess. If you've been affected by some of the things that Cheddar and I have spoken about, here's where you can get some support. If you're struggling with your mental health or you just need someone to talk to, you can contact the Samaritans. Remember, you don't always have to be in crisis to call them. Their number is 116123, and you can also visit their website, www.samaritans.org. If you need support for issues about sexuality or gender, there are loads of helpful websites online, including the LGBT Foundation. You can give them a call on 0345 303030, or you can visit their website, www.lgbt.foundation. If you need support with addiction, such as drug or alcohol misuse, please contact a GP or contact a specialist drug or alcohol organisation. For example, Alcoholics Anonymous. Their national helpline is 0800 9177 650 and their website is alcoholics-anonymous.org.uk. For support with drugs, talk to Frank on 0300 123 or you can visit their website, talktofrank.com. All of these links are on our show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Landfill of Memories, the podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed the conversation. If you did, wonderful. And it's always appreciated if you could share this podcast with your friends, family and fellow hoarders too. If you want to hear more, make sure you click the follow button now on whatever app you use to listen to your podcasts. You can also follow me on social media on at Landfill of Mems. Many blessings. Yeah.